Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us today is, well, it, it, he's kind of like, you know, <laughs> I go back to the old uh, late night show with David Letterman. His first guest was Bill Murray. You're, you're my Bill Murray, <laughs> Norm Eisen, who was our first guest. Pleasure to have you back. Uh, so a week so, back. So great to be back. It's, so great it to is be great back. to have you back. So we're going to, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Norm Eisen about his new book that he's edited called Overcoming Trumpery. And uh, we'll talk about the seven deadly sins of trumpery <laughs> when we get back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us today is Norm Eisen. And Norm, we're going to talk a little bit about your new book, Overcoming Trumpery. What? Uh, first of all, i got to ask you, I've I, I haven't finished all of it, but you got it to me and I'm about halfway through it and I love it. It's you, you've edited it and it started from a, a Brookings Institute study, I understand, correct? Yes. Yes, uh, Brian. It's not a short one. It's almost 400 pages long. So uh, but the reason overcoming Trumpery is substantial is because there was so much Trumpery <laughs> during Donald's four years in office. Even I was shocked when I went back and the origin of this book was to catalog because the human brain, you know, cannot retain all the details. So I thought as the Trump administration ended and as we rolled into a new era, um, as we'll discuss, Trumpery has only metastasized and spread even with its originator out of office. But I thought, well, we better go back and look at everything that happened, uh, document it, and um, uh, uh, and talk about how we could prevent this these catastrophes from ever happening again. And so I did that. I wrote a report, and I realized that there that uh, there was so much terrible that had occurred that even I had forgotten who fought Trumpery every day. <laughs> uh, that I that I had better capture it all in a book and then for posterity figure out a plan uh, because uh, it's back it's everywhere and we've got to overcome trumpery that's what the book is all about I I, I like the, the the prescription for 
you know, for easing or getting rid of Trumpery. But let's identify it first. You do it in the acknowledgments, I think, in your introduction. You call it the seven deadly signs of Trumpery. Disdain for ethics, assault on the rule of law, incessant lying and disinformation, shamelessness, pursuit of personal and political interests, not the public interest, exploitation and exacerbation of division, and an attack on democracy itself. Let's start with that last one. What is the attack on democracy itself that Trump did and and, and continues today through his, his uh, minions? Starting with his declaration that if he lost the election, it could only be because of fraud uh, in the summer of 2020. Uh, Donald Trump launched what we now know is the big lie campaign, the Hitlerian idea that if you're going to lie, make it a big lie. <laughs> that is the most effective form of lying. And he Because everybody goes, there's no way he could be lying. That's too out there. <laughs> uh, you know, according to the Washington Post, 30,000 lies. This was the biggest and dangerous and most devastating. And it's the last of the seven deadly sins of trumpery that we list in the book. And I think it's the most lethal of them all. Um, uh, The big lie campaign against our democracy. Of course, we know that that continued through the, with an increasing drumbeat of delegitimization of the election. when, as it became clear on and after election day that Trump had lost, he uh, assaulted uh, the truth. Uh, he dispatched his minions with an escalating series of plots to, as he, his own words, overthrow. You know, he says the quiet part out loud, <laughs> and, and he said he wanted to overturn the election. Right. Uh, that's the objective of a coup. It was an attempted coup, and it took the form, the seventh deadly, and you find all seven of the deadly sins of trumpery that you named are mixed in in this campaign, but the overt assault on democracy took its loudest form as uh, we now know there were the infamous efforts to overturn the Department of Justice, to... Uh, to uh, um, uh, pressure Pence, to pressure Congress, and all of that culminated on January 6th with the insurrection on January 6th. So, and it hasn't stopped. No. That is the assault on democracy. It's the hallmark of Trumpery. I'll go to, there was a question I asked him in the briefing room, September 23rd. I said, win, lose, or draw, will you accept a peaceful transfer of power? And he wouldn't. And one of the things he said that was, I think are the seeds of, of, of that insurrection. He said, if you stop counting the ballots, there won't be a transfer of power. So he yeah. was, that was six weeks before the election. He was already, yeah. that, I thought that was a hell of an attack on democracy. Well, right he said, I'll, I'll go you one better. He said openly he was blocking postal service funding over the summer because if the postal service isn't funded, you can't count the ballots. Uh, mm. I mean, it's so like tweeting that he wants to overturn the election. Well, there's uh, your he, shamelessness. You know, <laughs> and there you go. Well, it's all. But, Brian, the assault on democracy 
um, you, it has the seeds, these are cumulative of the seven deadly sins. And you know, we document each of these deadly sins with dozens of specific incidents that we lay out. I think it telling a narrative, like it's like a crime novel. It's like Elmore Leonard. <laughs> it starts with it starts with the the disdain for ethics. What could be more of a betrayal of of his duties as a president, his ethical and moral obligations to the United States, than um, att attacking his own government? Yeah, right? that, that's that what he ran January sixth. Uh, and it goes through all assault on the rule of law. He refused. He lost 63 cases, but he refused to accept the constitutional judgment. And he still does it. He won't admit he lost. And the no, he's never admitted that, that he lost all of this. You know, Hugo Chavez from beyond the grave had a plot and the crazy conspiracy theories, the lying uh, and on and on and on. Um, all of the seven deadly sins can be found in the contained in the seventh one, the overt assault on democracy. You say in here that, you know, you, you when we were talking earlier, you call him patient zero. And you do point out in the book that it's not just the actions of Trump, but there have been actions in both parties that are are signs of, of Trumpery. I've often said and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I don't think Trump was the cause, I think he's a symptom and he took advantage of, of mm. some of the problems mm. that have occurred over the last 40 years. Your thoughts? Well, um, I think he's both a symptom and a cause, certainly. And we write in the book, as you know, um, the, um, that we, we start with uh, introduction. I'm the editor of the book and I wrote the, uh, uh, wrote the uh, beginning, the end and several of the chapters. And I got brilliant experts who did um, like uh, Richard Painter or Walt Schaub who did sections of the book uh, as well. So it was a collaboration among the adversaries of Trumpery. But we analyze in the book, the post Watergate protections yes. that were put into place and how Trump um, uh, uh, attacked and degraded and broke many of them. I do think that he accelerated trends in the Republican Party that go back. I know you're of the view that the decay started with Reagan. Oh, I could even I go to Nixon. I myself, I, I'll go back even further to the failed Goldwater campaign. Oh, good point. And the most extreme elements, um, the most extreme elements um, decided that they needed to seize back the reins of power. I mean, the, in the Eisenhower years, uh, the um, uh, Republican Party was a very legitimate uh, operation. There was a post-World War II mainstream consensus. And so um, uh, you had fringe elements like in Eisenhower, McCarthy, the McCarthy wing. And what we, we see is really that suppressed McCarthy. I would put Goldwater in there, the conspiratorial um, anti-communism extremism in the uh, defense uh, of liberty 
is no vice to paraphrase Goldwater. Right. Um, and, and it's the extremist, it's the opposite of the centrist mainstream. It's the extremist means justify or ends justify the means crowd that is, um, has been accelerating. So really you can go, you can look to the McCarthy supporters, their effort to take power through Goldwater, the failure, and Goldwater was a very personally decent man. And of course was among those who helped ease Nixon out of office. Yeah. Ironically, I'm sure you've had him on the pod or interviewed him, John Dean was a yes. Goldwater protege in Arizona. Uh, so, um, uh, well, I think it was Nixon's of- Nixon's Southern strategy, I think took some of that extremism from McCarthy. I mean, he kind of started to, to craft it a little bit more. And then I go to yeah. Reagan implement when he got elected, he implemented a lot of, and, and empowered the far right, uh, as, and, and the religious right as others hadn't, but as far as seeds go, I'll concede that. Yeah, I believe you're right. It does go back that far. Um, so it's it, frighteningly so, don't you think? Uh, well, it's a, you know, the, the stability of the American system has been uh, somewhat of a happy accident. And Trump <laughs> is a reminder that we could have uh, had uh, disruptive forces. And it's lucky that we had a Lincoln for the Civil War or an FDR for World War II. Um, if you'd had somebody of a more isolationist bent, um, you know, the, um, or a, uh, a capitulator or an appeaser, uh, in either of those two great conflicts that shaped the United States, or for that matter, if you had not had a Washington, you'd not yeah. had the integrity. So you look at these great, these giants of American history Washington, Lincoln, FDR, and you say to yourself, well, what if a Trump had won any one of those elections? Certainly from the beginning of our country, Brian. We'd be screwed. (laughs) uh, To say the least. Um, Well, you know, I always say that if it were, if Trump had won re-election, right now, we would have boots on the ground in Ukraine but they yeah, would be fighting alongside Russia. the Russians. Yeah, supporting <laughs> Russia. Yeah. Well, I think the Ukraine, I think the Ukraine example, we the last chapter of the book, when you get to it, you'll see is about the international scene and the damage that was done on the international scene by Trumpery and how to repair it. And, um, you know, the reason I feel certain that uh, Trump's abuse of Ukraine was an inspiration to Putin. I mean, remember yeah. the impeachment that I worked on that you covered. Yeah. The first impeachment was about Ukraine. Trump's abuse of Ukraine withholding about $300 million of that they were going to use for military aid for arms uh, to, to for one of those seven deadly sins of Trumpery. It's what inspired sin number five, pursuit of the personal political interest, not the public interest. That's all he did with Ukraine. He said to Zelensky, can you do us a favor, though? Yeah. And the favor was dirt on Biden. So um, the message to Putin is, hey, Ukraine um, is a um, uh, is one of those uh, 
is one of those is a plaything for you. Do what you want with Ukraine. Yeah, we don't uh, care. And and Putin waited because he undoubtedly thought Trump was going to dismantle NATO for him. And then when he said, oh, Trump won't do it, I better do it myself. And that's how Ukraine happens. So I blame Trumpery for Ukraine. So you see, we've now, in the space of the past three minutes, we've ranged from George Washington, from the beginning of our country, up to the ongoing battle over Ukraine. And we've used the Trumpery model to explain it all. (laughs) Trumpery is in, Brian, Trumpery is in the Federalist Papers, the founding documents of America together with the Constitution of the modern American system. They warn of the dangers of a tyrant and the abuse of of executive power. That's why they had yeah. checks and balances. And thank God, because that seven de- seventh deadly sin of uh, the attack on democracy was blocked by the checks and balances in the executive branch, Trump's own branch, they resisted him, uh, but also in Congress and in the courts. Trump's own party members joined with his opponents to stand up to him in all three branches and also in the states. I refer to it as the fourth branch, the fourth check and balance, the division between federal power and state power. The states stood up to him, again, including members of his own party joining with Democrats. So it was a triumph of the vision that Washington fought the British to implement in America. And it's in dire straits today. (laughs) Well, the threat, there's no doubt that, you know, I don't know what you thought. I thought when I wrote that Brookings report that gave birth to the book Overcoming Trumpery, I really thought that that Trump was going to be out and, you know, we just needed to, we needed to prevent a recurrence in the future of his behavior. What I didn't sufficiently appreciate was the way I worked on that report during the second impeachment when I was covering it uh, for CNN on cable. I didn't appreciate, particularly when you got those seven Republicans who joined with the Democrats to vote to impeach Trump. I didn't appreciate the way that Trump would make a comeback and Trumpery would seize the mainstream of the Republican Party between open adherents and enablers. There's very few who are willing to openly take Trump on. And so now, a year and a half later, um, well, I think we see it in the prevalence. I just wrote an op-ed on Trump, the Trumpery ticket, that in more than 80 races, I think it's about 85 races across the country, governors, AGs, secretaries of state, not to mention Senate and House races, where there are dozens and dozens of more, uh, dozens and dozens more adherents of Trumpery. Trump has a loyal block, and you can succeed in a primary with a loyal block of voters. And so, um, the, the, you know, the Trump, Trump has the key He's kept his block together. It's a it's a minority of Americans, as you know, Brian, about 30 percent of Americans. He's kept his block together. Yeah, and they hold the primary ticket, it seems. Um, 
We'll talk about analyzing. And so that's the magic that Trump has to offer. He wins primaries, I think. And uh, it turns out that the Republican Party is so craven that that's, they care more about the fate of America. They care more about uh, winning a primary than they do about the fate of America or the fate of the world. Do you think what the f? <laughs> what the f? Is that why? Is that why my father uh, yeah, right. fought in World War II? Is that why Washington waged war on the British? Is that why Lincoln and the blood that was shed on both sides in the Civil War? Is that why the American Doughboys went to war in World War One? So. Republicans can win primary with primaries with this perverted, cancerous ideology of trumpery, these seven admitted sins? No, but that's what the mainstream, either in embrace or enabling through silence, that is what the Republican Party is about today. I'm sorry to say. Is, and here's the question, I guess, that comes off of that. Is there any chance, and uh, if you, you talk about defeating Trumpery, uh, but <laughs> you look at, at, at Trump, he, he defeated the, the uh, in Manhattan, defeated any chance to go after him. How can you defeat Trumpery if you can't defeat Trump? Well, I do think that one of the most important ways to overcome Trumpery is through prosecution. And I do think that the, uh, they're, they're, the Trump is very likely to be prosecuted. Unfort and I'm going to explain why. But to answer your question first, Alvin Bragg had, I agree with the prosecutors who say there was proof beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, his top prosecutors quit when it was right. clear that he was deep sixing the case. I agree with the prosecutors who say there was proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And he walked away from that. Now, my own view is that he was, instead of overcoming trumpery, the Alvin Bragg story uh, should be called overcome by fear of trumpery or just overcome by <laughs> trumpery because he did not want to get in a fight with Trump and risk losing that fight. He's already on very shaky. He's made a number of terrible political miscalculations. Uh, and uh, he's now, um, uh, uh, you know, on shaky political ground. And he thought, oh, I, look, I don't know. I'm speculating. But this is the only thing that can explain it. I mean, I don't think Trump, some people say, well, Trump got to him. He has some damaging information. Nah, I don't accept that. I think he I don't was either. scared. He was scared of Trumpery. Look at the power of Trumpery. It frightened Alvin Bragg. And he's like, oh, if I litigate against Trump on top of my all of my political problems that I already have, where I've he's stubbed his toe again and again and again, local, local alienating his uh, Manhattan DA constituents with mistakes that he's made in his early months in office. I'm gonna have a nasty, dirty fight. You know the old saying, Brian, when you get down in the mud with a hog, you both get dirty, dirty. and the hog likes it. And then he <laughs> might lose at the end. No, he didn't want that. He didn't want, but what a- Well, what they did do, when you talk to him, they blame Michael Cohen for it. They say he was unreliable witness that they, they could have prosecuted him, but it's Michael's fault. 
oh, that's that. If that's true, it's terrible. It's ridiculous. As you point out, prosecutors get convictions using witnesses like Sammy the Bull Gravano, <laughs> right? Bragg's office, he worked in the Manhattan um, U.S. Attorney's office. They use far worse witnesses than Michael Cohen all the time. I've gotten to know Michael, as have you. I first met him in the impeachment. He was helpful to us. And he's a reformed man. And I think he would have been a good witness. And I think they're making they're making it. It's a terrible if they're pointing the finger at Michael, if they're whispering, of course, yeah. they won't do it on the record. They're blaming, um, you know, somebody who a victim uh, uh, who himself is a victim of trumpery. Right. Now, the good news. Let's so brag failed. There's good news. Uh, trumpery overcame brag, but. Uh, the person who will overcome trumpery, I believe, is another DA, Atlanta DA, Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, who has a very active case for Trump's, the seventh of the seven deadly sins, the assault on democracy. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Trump went, and we write about this in the book, Trump went to Georgia and we have a tape recording. And he said to he said to Brad Raffensperger, hey, uh, just quote, find eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes. Just find one them more somewhere. than Biden. One and more than Biden. Well, no matter if Trump people say, how can you prosecute Trump? He'll say he believed he was defrauded. You are not allowed to find to tell people to find eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes that don't. Exist. exist to use fraud as a form of self-help to uh conquer fraud any more than if you any more than if you are a victim of if your family member god forbid or a friend is murdered you're gonna go get a gun and kill the killer no <laughs> you're not allowed to take the law into your own hands so that georgia tape is devastating proof and I think she's going to prosecute Trump. Ah, that would be. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break and we come back. We'll talk more about prosecuting Trump and the act of trumpery <laughs> An act of trumpery. It's not just Trump, folks. So stick around. We'll pay the bills. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. We're talking with one of my favorite guests, Norm Eisen. Norm has a new book that he's edited out, and it's all about Donald Trump and Trumpery. And you can't he, if it's uh, I'm about halfway through it. And if you really it's called Overcoming Trumpery. And if you want to overcome Trumpery, 
It's a really good read. I mean, one of the things I like, Norm, is I'm going through it. And I know you're the editor and you have people who have contributed to it. But one of the things I like about the book is just laying out the facts of what occurred and yeah. showing how it, it, because there are many people who, and this is the problem in our business, the, the inability to express or vet facts and put them out there and have people accept them. Oh my God. Isn't that a problem with Trumpery as well? Yes, it is. You know, when Brian, when we, when we did this book, we went through myself, my co-authors, we went through and we, we wanted to capture all the facts for posterity and we vetted them. We double and triple checked them. Um, but we didn't only want to document the horrors of Trumpery. We wanted to point out, and we write about the way that the heirs of Trumpery are spreading it. So yes. it's a living ideology. You know, what was so fascinating for me about those facts, and you need, you can't have any false neutrality. You need to be able to let the facts speak in all of their horror. But what was fascinating for me was, sometimes I think journalists are, 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 I'm an analyst, so I have some more freedom to do this. And you have been, I think, uh, the ultimate objectivity is the antidote to trumpery is truth. And you're not afraid to you're not afraid to um, to 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 say the truth about the pattern that these facts suggest. And you know, it's gotten a lot of ire in some of your very tough questions for Trump at those press conferences. Uh, he would get into it with you because you called it like, called the truth like it was. That's what we do. And what emerged was tr Trump's behavior was not as something random, ad hoc, spontaneous. There was a pattern to it. The seven yes. deadly sins of Trumpery. It was organized and it was systematic in its own perverse corrupt way there was a method and to his madness yes there indeed. was a method there was a a corrupt lying dishonest perverted style of governance a philosophy of governance a method and that's what we draw out in this book but the subtitle is very important because i didn't want to just describe this terribly dangerous and still ongoing through the herschel walkers and the dr oz's and the David Perdue's, not to mention the Mark, uh, the uh, um, 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 uh, people in Congress like Jim Jordan, Ugh. Jim Jordan, uh, or Lauren the, Boebert, uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor yes, Greene, Marjorie Matt Taylor Greene, <laughs> exactly. They're all Marco they're, Rubio, they're, Cruz, they're even more. They're Rand even Paul. More, they're even more Trump. Then Trump and himself, Trump. the second generation of Trumpery, and make no mistake, they're in danger. And when you combine them with a Kevin McCarthy, who privately, we have the tapes, he disdains Trumpery, but then publicly pays obeisance to it. It's a very dangerous cocktail, but I didn't only want to alarm people about the danger. I have my subtitle to have a positive note, how to overcome Trumpery, the subtitle is how to restore ethics the rule of law and democracy and we include in the book the remedies for trumpery and one of the most important ones we have the january 6 hearings coming tell the truth about the attack on attack on our democracy 
right? That's very important. They're not going to DOJ. Do I hope they'll make criminal referrals and DOJ will prosecute. I think there's grounds to prosecute Trump and others. And then finally, uh, as we've already said, DA Willis, that's probably the most likely prosecution in Georgia. So yeah. those are all methods to overcome Trumpery. Well, one of the problems in overcoming Trumpery, you, you tell me your thoughts on this. This is also coming from from Michael when I talked to Cohen is he said part of the reason why the DOJ will have problems overcoming Trumpery is because they themselves are corrupt. And by exposing Trump's corruption, it will expose their own. Well, there's no question that, you know, when Michael was put back in jail, that wasn't yeah. just Bill Barr who did that. Um, that was Donald Trump. <laughs> for listeners who don't, who may not remember, that's why we wrote this book to document all of the misdeeds and misconduct over the four years. Michael Cohen was out on release. And then when the Justice Department learned that he was going to write a book, they claimed it was a violation of his conditions of per release. And they uh, tried to put him back in jail. And he went to court and the judge said, this is ridiculous and slapped DOJ down and ordered Michael's release. Michael's point is, if you investigate episodes like that, it's not just the terrible political appointees, the bars or the terrible leader Trump. It had to be career people and other functionaries within DOJ who went along with it. So the enablers will be exposed. So I do think there, there's some. Now, Merrick Garland is a good man. I've known him for a very long time. He's going to make a fair decision on this. Uh, but, you know, I think Michael has a point in his case. Um, you know, DOJ really owes him an apology um, and, and more facts than he's gotten so far. And that's, I mean, you're coming from, look, he was a longtime Trumper and you have been a longtime analyst. So, yeah, I mean, that that has some weight to what you're saying, because there are those who believe that, um, well, one of the hallmarks, I think, of uh, when you talk about division, when you're talking about Trumpers, one of the hallmarks is that they will dismiss what you say as being partisan, which is, uh, I think, one of the biggest problems we have in vetting facts is getting people to accept facts without a partisan nature to them so when you're talking about michael cohen they will immediately go well you're just partisan but michael cohen was not part of uh, of the democratic party was not part of that uh, of that side no of he was my he was you know previously he was my adversary i used to go on tv and you know criticize him called for his prosecution. Uh, but I do believe in his own way, you know, he's Michael is very much a New Yorker. So he's <laughs> yeah. still, you know, he's not smooth. He <laughs> says what he thinks. He uses the F word at times. Oh, what the? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's, he gets he gets passionate about uh, injustice. But I do think he's made amends. He served his time and he's helped He's tried to cooperate with everybody and help with the prosecution of Trump. So I think Michael has done the right the right thing. And, um, you know, and, and he's to be uh, applauded for that. And I, just as vigorously as I opposed him, I'm not a visitor. I was did not start out as a visceral never Trumper. 
in opposing him and opposing others. I, before Trump announced he was going to violate the Constitution in his first press conference before taking office, when he said, I am not going to give up my businesses, that meant that he was going to be taking money from foreign governments in his hotels and properties. The Constitution says you can't take cash or benefits from foreign governments. They're called foreign emoluments. As soon as Trump did that, I was helping his transition, Brian. I uh, so I was not a I, I helped both presidential candidates in their transitions. I gave advice and the Trump transition wanted my advice how to be ethical. For me, the breaking point with Trump was that press conference. I'm like, nope, this guy is going to be the seven deadly sins ethics violated by taking emoluments, rule of law violated by taking emoluments. So we had many of the deadly sins that I write about, the shamelessness of doing that. Every other president had gotten rid of their properties. That was the the pursuit of personal interest, not the public interest. You had that. So uh, lying, he claimed a president cannot have a conflict. That's not true. So five of the seven deadly sins were already there at that (laughs) press conference. The seeds. (laughs) But, you know, we we ended up with hundreds of examples of each one, which we document in the book. And many of them people have forgotten and they are shocking. Even I was shocked. Give me an example. And edited. I wrote and edited the the book. When I looked back at the number, the sheer volume of the Hatch Act violations, you're not supposed to in the White House as White House officials. You're not supposed to meddle in politics like from the white press briefing room at the White House, from your official position to say vote for or against a Democratic candidate or the president. It's against the law. They violated that dozens of times. Oh, hell, Norm, they violated that dozens of times in one day. I was in one briefing where they did it four times. And when you see it all in when you see the open contemptuousness and disregard for the rule of law, Brian, and just ignoring the rule of law and, and, and trampling on the law dozens and dozens of times, <clears throat> so wrong, so, so wrong. How do you defeat trumpery though? This, the cancer is spreading. They are now trying to place uh, people in positions at the local and state level that will allow them to control uh, the elections and overturn elections if they don't like them. That's the next move. They learned from 2020. That's the real fear that a lot of people have. How do you combat that? Uh, I co-chair and co-founded with GOP, former GOP governor and Bush cabinet member, Christy Todd Whitman, the state's United Democracy Center, bipartisan effort, because there are wonderful uh, dissenters in the Republican Party who um, blocked Trump in 2020, and I think will do so again, a bipartisan effort to do just that. Look, number one, you have to shine a light on the problem so everybody know what's, knows what's going on. That's why we have our state's United state-of-the-art reports, replacing the reps is our reports and election crisis in the making. Those are our two reports that we constantly update documenting the problem. So number two, 
you know, you need to support uh, state officials of both parties who want to defend democracy. So they they're the best situated to file lawsuits, to um, uh, do enforcement actions and otherwise to deal with this, these uh, efforts to overturn our democracy. And number three, the American people have to turn out for every yes. uh, poll worker who uh, is uh, there to defeat democracy. We need to say to the American people of all parties, hey, if you love our democracy, show up, work at the polls, be an election observer, be there for the count, run for office, whoever you vote for, please vote. A grand coalition on a bipartisan one, Republicans, Democrats, and independents joined together in a national referendum in 2020, Brian, uh, on trumpery. So the original example, the single most effective example of overcoming trumpery was that grand tripartisan, independents, Democrats, and Republicans, both from the treetops to the grassroots, joining forces to reject the assault on our democracy. And make no mistake, if it weren't for the Republican part in that, governors, secretaries of state, judges appointed by Trump, including at the yes. Supreme Court, coming together to reject his ploys, his coup that was attempted would have succeeded. We can do that again. That coalition can go again. It starts with calling attention to the issue. And that's why we have our, our uh, we do our work at States United, a nonpartisan organization working with bipartisan leadership. How much do you believe the far left is influencing the influence of the far right? Do you think that they, uh, I, you understand the question? I mean, how much are they enabling some of this that is Trump? Yeah, I do think we need to, we need to first and foremost, you know, my own politics are tend towards the, the, a little bit more the center left liberal part of the spectrum. And on some issues, I'm quite liberal indeed. Uh, however, I think that um, we need to, we need to avoid the trap of, um, of, of, um, of pursuing a factionalism as the yes. Federalist Papers put it. We've talked a lot about the origins of our country because I see it as one big, the history of America, we didn't call it trumpery, but King George, who we overturned, had a form of trumpery right down to accepting emoluments. Right. So, um, you know, the history of our country. In That's a why sense, we wrote those things, because we did not want. Yes, what we had. yes, exactly. <laughs> so the, overcoming trumpery is in the Constitution. Yeah, we just didn't call it trumpery. It's all these seven deadly sins are in the Federalist Papers. And we, one of them is faction. And it's always a danger. We had this grand coalition that succeeded in 2020. And, um, you know, we've, there has been some factionalism and, and some infighting. And I think we need to remember that there are larger causes here. And we need to reach beyond that. Whatever I may believe on a particular issue, how can we keep that anti-Trumpery, pro-democracy coalition that was so successful in the great national referendum that was the 2020 election. How can we keep that coalition together? Now that requires everybody. 
it can't only be the liberals or the conservatives. We can't only say, hey, AOC, you need to give up right. something and not also say, hey, Joe Manchin, you need to give up something. Everybody needs to come towards the middle. And I, there's plenty of blame to go around at the uh, right, left and center of the coalition of people after we were successful in 2020, who then maybe did not work as hard as they should have to overcome this factionalism. Are you concerned? Uh, but we about need to we need to use the midterms as a way to come back ah, together. That was I, I was wondering if you were concerned about mid. I'll tell you one thing that gives me hope, and then I, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on the midterms. But I saw the uh, the signing. There were probably close to a thousand people on the south lawn of the White House, and I was there the day uh, Joe Biden signed the infrastructure bill, mm. and it was the largest display of bipartisanship that I've seen in. DC in quite a while. And hmm. they were uh, there were Republicans, they were Democrats, right, left and center, all there for a common cause. And I, I was like, you know, I don't know why they haven't continued to to uh, publicize the good that they did. But nonetheless, there was a great deal of good that was done that day. And so I, it gave me hope. But I'm concerned about the midterms because of the ability to overturn elections or fraud or or no fraud, but you know, BS tossed in that general direction. Your concerns about midterm? Well, um, you know, I I I um uh, of course you have to be concerned, but I think that that the the team that was successful in 2020, uh of all parties. Republicans, independents, and Democrats have to link arms. That's why we have our States United Democracy Center to defend democracy. And there's many others like us, each doing their own unique thing. Our unique niches, we um, provide support, pro bono uh, support to the um, state elections officials, irrespective of party, uh, secretaries of state, AGs, governors, local election officials to help them defend democracy. And there's many other groups who each do their own unique thing. So those officials all need to come together. It is concerning. The push is to get these anti-democracy leaders to um, take over the system. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a danger, but I'm hopeful that we can do it, Brian. And a part of the reason I wrote overcoming Trumpery, and I'm I'm explaining the Trumpery ticket. The Trumpery is on the ballot to sound the alarm. That is the beginning. There are good solutions out there. Good people, many leaders from the conservative side of the spectrum. I think if we all work together, we link arms come together again as we did in 2020 we can do this well let's before we take uh, our last break here let me ask you this as a question how does the average person going to the ballot box or trying to get involved how do they without the you know i i will say for the benefit of, of your book buy early buy often it's called overcoming trumpery thank you wherever fine books thank are you. sold but if they don't have that book if they how can the average person identify 
uh, are you all putting out uh, guidelines as to who are the Trumpers or yes. how, how can how can the average yes. Joe find out? Look at are? our yes. Look at our uh, replacing the refs report um, that States United has released. And that identifies the election deniers. That's the single greatest criterion. There's about just governors, secretaries, AGs, about 85 of them, many more House and Senate candidates. Uh, and that is the site. If somebody is not willing to accept the outcome of the 2020 election, it gives you pause. Uh, what will they do if they get into power when 2024 runs around? Or 2022. So comes around. Yeah. Well, they're they're competing for power in 22 if they win it, if they get elected, but they may challenge in 22 as well. So start with that replacing the refs report. That is the scorecard. And how do we find that? Um, on the uh, on the state's Google States United Democracy Center. Uh, you go to the States United website and you'll find our replacing the refs report. Uh, and just for a short primer on this issue, I have an op-ed up at CNN Opinion uh, that Trumpery is on the ballot in 2022. So if you want to read something even shorter, go to CNN Opinion. My book launch op-ed can be found there. Uh, and of course, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to you as always, Brian. I know, we're, I know we're getting to that point in the podcast. So let me say uh, how much I appreciate you having me back. I appreciate the help with overcoming trumpery, how to restore ethics, rule of law and democracy, getting the word out to people about my new book. And above all, I appreciate your listeners and you who have done so much ah. to overcome trumpery. It's an inspiration. I'm just a stubborn SOB. That's what I am. <laughs> That's what it takes. That's what it takes. We're going to take a short break. We'll We'll be right back for some final thoughts after this. <laughs> hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. Again, that's at JATQ Podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And uh, once again with us is Norm Eisen. His new book is called Overcoming Trumpery. And be stubborn, folks. That's the, There's some advice there. I, I guess some final thoughts, Norm. How do you see uh, 2022 and 2024 playing out? Do you think there is legitimate hope for, for quelling uh, Trumpism? And take me out a couple of decades if, if we don't and if we do. Well, America has always risen to the challenge. We've talked about that in 1776 uh, uh, in, 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 in fighting the British in 1789 when our first Articles of Confederacy weren't working, the new constitution that guides us to this day. Uh, in uh, uh, the election of Lincoln, the election of uh, 1860, yeah, uh, and the triumph of um, the American idea, the birth of a new American Republic in the Civil War, in World War One, in World War Two, FDR. 
uh, the Cold War, uh, and I think we'll rise to the occasion again. Uh, I don't believe that um, that uh, Trumpery will be victorious, but I think the key is there's a proven coalition that succeeded in 2020. We need to sound the alarm. We need to work together. We need to disregard party and faction. We need to unify around democracy. We need to sustain. It's going to be a mixed verdict in the midterm. Some adherents of Trumpery will make it through, but I think the center will hold. So I'm fun fundamentally optimistic about that trajectory. And I think decades out, we'll look back as we do on some of those other catastrophes. We'll look back on the moment of Trumpery and say, hey, the coalition came together to succeed. I'm, uh, I think that that the American story is evidence, it's proof of that our system works. And, and so I'm confident if we call out the problem of Trumpery as I've done in my book, if we are stubborn and we have the seven virtues of democracy to counteract the seven deadly sins of Trumpery. Uh, and I have all the remedies, folks. I lay out those solutions in my book, Overcoming Trumpery. And Brian, so grateful to you for having me on the oh. podcast again to talk about- <laughs> You're my Bill my Murray, man. <laughs> Glad to be here, brother. Listen, I appreciate it. The, the name of the book is called Overcoming Trumpery. You can find it wherever fine books are sold and online. And I, I always recommend uh, independent booksellers myself, but it, any way you want to get the book, it's a good book. Like I said, I'm about halfway through it. I find it fascinating. I, I like you, I tried in my book to, provide some uh, remediation for problems uh, in the press. And so I yes, found you did. I, that's why I find this book. So it, I don't think you can write a book today about the problems without trying to give some sort of solution. So I appreciate that a lot. I really do. Listen, the thanks, name of, yeah, thanks for being here. The name of the show is just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. And as Norm, always, you're welcome back anytime. You're a great guest. Love you. I'll be back. Thank Alrighty. you. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.